All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome, everybody, to episode 11 of the Daily Faceoff podcast. We've got a special episode today. Uh, unfortunately, Biebs was not able to join us, but I do have my regular co-host, Dylan D. Berthium, with me. How's Sup, it going, buddy? Dylan? Pour some out for the Biebs, man. <laughs> yeah. Biebs is a little busy, but we are able to fill in with a couple of guests from the North by North Gretz podcast, a wonderful podcast brought to you by Oilers Nation. We have Bagged Milk and Jean Shorts with us. How's it going today, gentlemen? Going well, man. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Uh, you know, it was a nice, easy day in the NHL for me today. Only two games, so uh, I was able to fit you guys in my usually busy schedule. Yeah, Perfect. You, you know what? I've uh, I've helped out on DFO a little bit behind the scenes, and I don't know how you do it every day, man. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. I know people are always like, oh, man, like how did you not edit those lines? I'm like, do you know how tough it is sometimes to <laughs> monitor all 30 teams' lines? My favorite is like the uh, the last-minute scratch, and then it's just Brock's fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guy gets hurt in uh, the, the, the warm-ups, and it's on Brock. I was the guy that poisoned the Gatorade, so Karyaramo <laughs> couldn't play the other night. That was all my doing. Yeah, for the most part. Like, even yesterday, though, too, like, Thomas Hurdle was, like, supposed to play all day, and then he was a late scratch, and, I, and then everyone's like, how did you not know? I'm like, <laughs> they literally said nothing about it. Well, I blame you for not being in the dressing room. Thanks a lot, yeah. Brock. I know, I'm supposed to be in 30 cities at all the same time, I guess. <laughs> Until you learn to do that, uh, you might want to step your game up, all right? Yeah, sounds good. How about you guys uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you yourselves and a little bit about the podcast? Well, uh, I am, uh, I guess my t- my title at Oilers Nation would be managing editor, I guess. everybody, Every article that goes up on Oilers Nation, I have hands on it in some way or another. Goes through the kid. And uh, I just kind of got to make sure that everybody's happy and everybody's playing nice in the sandbox. <laughs> 
And as you guys know, I'm an Oilers fan, unfortunately, so it hasn't been a very fun decade. <laughs> a fun decade, yeah. It's, a, it's been a tough time for you guys, eh? 03 was popping. Is it 03? 06, man. 06. 06, okay. Yeah, I was down on White Ave lighting pallets on fire. It was a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we're just a couple of idiots who somehow fell backwards into a job working for an internet company that talks about hockey, so it's not too bad. And that's kind of like our podcast, too. We just kind of obviously talk mostly about the Oilers, but a little bit around the league, and then just general stuff that's going on with our lives, and then we uh, spend the rest of the time making fun of Chris the Intern, so it's a pretty good time. <laughs> the podcast stemmed from us just annoying our bosses to the point where they gave us money to buy equipment and shut up so speaking of this microphone if you're going to speak so much yeah <laughs> well that's good i've listened to a couple episodes and uh i've heard, you know i can understand uh if chris gets his feelings hurt every now and again you guys give it to him pretty good <laughs> usually my favorite part about the episodes he but, loves uh, it he loves the attention he does. <laughs> yeah the, my favorite actually is probably not so much the oilers talk but it's the bashing of of the flames and, and all the other canadian teams is usually my favorite part well when we go around the nation uh we don't really care about any of the other teams so it's hard to <laughs> pretend that we do yeah i have yeah. no i have no idea what the jets are doing at any given moment so who the fuck cares yeah, they're just in the middle of nowhere anyway. Nobody really actually cares unless you're in Winnipeg, I guess. Exactly. But uh, since we are a fantasy hockey podcast, I thought I would ask you guys the question, just so we cover a little bit of fantasy hockey on the show today. Uh, do either one of you guys play fantasy hockey? I do. Uh, I've been playing for a while. Uh, I'm, and I use, right now I use the term play very loosely. I have a fantasy team that I've had in the same league for about four years now, but uh i very rarely check it i kind of set my lines at the beginning of the season and kind of forget about it a lot of the time because <laughs> it's unfortunately like i'm in a it's a fantasy league that i started with a bunch of guys that i used to work with in in tv and so half the league is always like out in the bush somewhere or like on a remote bc highway doing something so you can only change your lines once a week so that gets like oh. really boring really fast and so if like half your team gets hurt on wednesday there's nothing you can do about it until monday so yeah. it takes a lot of the fun and the skill out of it but I do have a team. I'm sitting in uh, ninth out of 11 right now, so doing pretty well as usual. <laughs> I, so, I don't sorry, play ahead. fantasy hockey just because of the exact reason that Gene Short says. I just, you know what? I forget about it. I'm the worst ever. I always finish last. I end up being the guy that you want in your pool because you know you'll finish above them because they completely forget that they're playing in yeah, so I just week. stop and I always think I'm playing strategically and I try to spread around because like you know my league takes like penalty minutes and, and shots on goal and stupid stuff like that in consideration so I always try to play really strategically and then the guys that I think I'm getting a sleeper picks end up doing nothing and the guys that I draft in the first couple rounds end up doing nothing and then I just hate <laughs> everybody on my team and it gets real frustrating after a while it happens man I uh one of my big suggestions at the start of the year was Michael Grabner as a sleeper pick. Oh, there you go, yeah. <laughs> no, you he almost don't. got kicked off the podcast on episode one. <laughs> yeah, he would be he would be uh, my Patrick Hornquist, who I have on my team right now, who's got yeah. 10 points in 29 games so far. Just really, really doing it for me this year. Yeah, that was my next question. So for you, you play actual fantasy hockey. Who would you say your best draft pick was this year, and who was your worst draft pick besides Hornquist, I guess? Um, at the t- at the beginning of the season, I would have said it was Connor McDavid because I snaked him in the fourth round and got nice. absolutely burned for it by all these Canuck fans in my pool because they had no <laughs> idea how good he was. They didn't think he was going to do it well at all, and then he was on fire. So I was like, yeah. yeah, I did it. But since he's been hurt... um. 
I'd say probably Matt Duchesne. He's probably uh, picking up the slack with most of my points. John Tavares, a close second. Yeah. Uh, those are probably my two best picks. Ryan O'Reilly hasn't been bad for me either. He was a late-round pick that I kind of took a flyer yeah. on, and he's he's paid off okay so mm-hmm. far. He's definitely, like, surpassed his draft value or where he was going anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just in the middle of nowhere in Buffalo there. Everyone's like, oh, he's, his career's over, and then yeah. all of a sudden he's ripping it up. Yeah, he's, he's, he's been not bad at all this year. You could have you could have told the guys that were ripping on you for McDavid. I mean, daily faceoff, that's the best site to go to for fantasy <laughs> hockey. And I had him ranked as a first round pick and I took him in the first round of every single one of my pools and I was like, Oh yeah, like I'm gonna get heat for that. <laughs> he came he came out though and he was on fire. I'm like, Oh my god, this actually is a first round pick. I'm a genius and then he gets hurt and I'm oh man. Well my whole thing was like he's gonna get what, at least fifty points probably. So and like I said, I, I didn't take him until like my fourth or fifth pick. So I was like, Well that's like a pretty decent gamble to take that that, you know, midway yeah. through the draft. For Absolutely. sure, because he's got like a good floor, and then who knows what his ceiling really is, right? Exactly. I wonder how many people got burned wasting a, a first-round pick on Crosby this oh, year. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, All yeah. of them? <laughs> Everybody, yeah. It's crazy how bad like that whole team is. It's yeah, insane. Kessel, too. Like, Kessel was another guy that we were just expecting to absolutely break out this year. Yeah, I was seeing a lot of 50-goal predictions yep. in the summer. Well, that was oh, funny yeah. because, I mean, I initially thought that, too. But then, like, immediately I was like, I don't know. This seems like one of those scenarios where it's too good to be true. You know what I mean? With Malkin, with Crosby, with Kessel. I was like, it seems to be a little bit on paper too good that I don't know... I, it's probably gonna, and then sure enough, it disappointed a lot of people so far. Yeah, I think part of like that's probably played into it is like like Kessel like doesn't really play well off the puck at all, right? And like so, I mean, when you have him and Sid, like both of them are kind of kind of try to drive the play a lot. And exactly. They're going to run into some troubles. As a Red Wings fan, looking at that team, it almost reminded me of the time when we had like seven Hall of Famers in the dressing room and everybody was like, is this actually going to work? And then it did. <laughs> but apparently they don't have, they need to have a better coach behind the bench. They need Scotty Bowman back there to figure it out for them. Yeah, so, exactly. Or Babs. Or, or Babcock, <laughs> but we all know what happened there. Yeah. So those early, what would, would that be? Early 2000s Red Wings teams? Yeah. Yeah, late 90s, 90s just yeah. monsters. Well, I guess, yeah, you're probably talking about like... Yeah, well, like late 90s, and then 2002 was the year yeah. that we just were crazy good. But, hey, I mean, I, I unlike you guys, where you guys have been suffering for the last decade, they've made the playoffs every year since I was born, so I guess I'm <laughs> blessed. Why don't you brag about it more? Yeah, but well, we, yeah. <laughs> we got all the first that, overall though. picks, bro. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. We've been, uh, we get Dylan Larkin, though, a little later in the draft, so yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we make up for our lack of first overall picks, I guess. And knowing, knowing the Red Wings, they got some guy that they drafted like two years ago in like the sixth round that's probably going to be just absolutely <laughs> a monster in like two years. So. Coming out of Eastern Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hiding in Siberia somewhere, just <laughs> doing nothing. Mm-hmm. I can't wait till the Oilers get Austin Matthews in the whole league. <laughs> and they just get rid of the draft altogether. <laughs> yeah, the draft lottery's just, they shut it down. Oh, that'd be unbelievable! I, I hope that actually happens, just to see what, the, just see if like the NHL just burn to the ground. Well, and I was I was joking before the season started. I was like, best case scenario is that the Oilers do finally make some strides and they finish like four or five points out of the playoffs and somehow still win the draft lottery and everyone hates us forever. <laughs> uh, that's a good best case scenario. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. Worst, and then worst case scenario is you just still suck and then you get Austin Matthews anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what, dude? We're playing meaningful games in December. And Woo! <laughs> December. The bar is very low around here. Well, that actually works perfectly into my first question for you guys. Recently, I mean, December has been an absolute beauty for you guys. You guys, entering last night, you guys were 6-0 and on the, on the month and then... I think a lot of people were basically expecting the Oilers to just smash the Rangers again based on what happened the other night. And then they ended up losing, but still 6-1 six, six and one in December. How fun has this month been for you, especially because you're, you've got Connor McDavid almost coming back? 
it's it's nice because on this recent stretch of wins, the Oilers were actually winning games that they probably shouldn't have, as opposed to losing games that maybe they could have won. So it was a nice little reversal there. Even losing last night annoyed me because the Oilers had 12 minutes on the power play and they really didn't get anything done, which was really frustrating last night. I thought it was a winnable game. And they and they came out real flat in the first period too. That set them back a lot. I mean, they were playing games on back to back nights, so that's never fun. But they just they looked like they lost a bit of their mojo last night because they they've been playing so good lately and last night was not one of those games yeah and it's it, i mean the rangers seem like they're a little bit overrated right now like i know oh, like all sure. the fancy stats speak against them but they still have lundquist and net and when like they, you put up seven against the rangers on friday it was like you coming into yesterday it's like okay maybe we can do it again but it's impressive because they beat some good teams during that stretch too eh? like dallas and boston and even san jose was not great but and then the rangers it was uh it was definitely a nice stretch for you guys yeah absolutely like we said like they they may they not, they don't necessarily play that well every night. Like they, pro- they may not have. They probably didn't deserve the win against Boston, and uh, Nilsson definitely stole one for them against Dallas. But they're still winning those games, which, like we said, is a very, very nice change of pace compared to every other season for the last five or six years. Yeah, I think it's probably at the point where your goalie needs to steal one against the Stars. Right oh, for now. sure, and we're fi- yeah. we're finally seeing that for the first time in a long time. Yeah, no great. kidding. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how they do against Chicago tomorrow night too. Like it's such another huge test for them, and I mean the way they've been playing. Hopefully they can go in there and steal another one. And that's the crazy thing, too, is that they're missing their entire second line. They're missing Connor McDavid, <laughs> Oscar Kleppbaum, arguably their best defenseman this year's out. And they're still finding a way to win games or at least hang in there. Like, they hung in with the Rangers last night. Like I said, they didn't play great, but they hung in there, and they were in it until the bitter end. So it's it's crazy to think what could happen after the All-Star break here when they get a full, healthy roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so speaking of healthy roster, uh, when, like, I mean, you guys probably know a little bit more than the average fan does, but has there been any more news, especially just like in the Edmonton circles, about McDavid's health, or are they still really hush-hush about it? Um, there was a rumor we saw the other day that someone said he was skating, but I mean, that's just one of those like, oh, my buddy's roommate's friend saw Connor McDavid out of the <laughs> rink last night. So, I mean, there's, there probably isn't much validity to that, but at the same time, uh, everything he said, and is, it seems to be that he's on like a real, real good uh track here to come back any day now i don't think he's going to come back till the first week of january but i also wouldn't be surprised if he came back around christmas either Mm -hmm. yeah it was six weeks for him out yesterday so we're getting really close and uh it's gonna be exciting to have him back frankly waiting for him to return from injury was almost worse than waiting for him to play his first game after the draft because we've already <laughs> seen how good he is. And he was yeah. he was on such a hot streak. He was looking so good. And looked like he was just going to be unstoppable. And all of a sudden, yeah. he just crashes into the boards and the, the needle comes off the record. <laughs> the entire season is now like, oh, what are we going to do now? It, like, they had such a nice balance in their lines those first uh, 13 games or so, too, with uh, McDavid. And then they just brought up Drysdale. He was playing well with uh, was it Nugent, Nugent Hopkins and Hall, right? He came yeah. up on the wing. Obviously, Drysaddle has just been ridiculous. But. Yeah, Drysaddle has been insane. Um, let's say, okay, so let's say that uh, McDavid does come back right after New Year's. The Oilers would have 43 games left on the season. What would you guys, like, if you guys had to put a projection on uh, Connor McDavid for, like, the final 40, 43 games of the season, what would you guys put him at? I'd say, I would say it'll take him a couple games to get back up in the swing of things, but then from there, he'll be a point of game. I, I think he'll. I think he's going to finish with close to probably around sixty points. If he would have stayed healthy his entire time, I probably would have closer to seventy, seventy-five. But I think uh, I think sixty is a good solid number for him to hit going forward. 
Mm-hmm. It'll be basically almost like the way he started his NHL career, right? It took him a couple games to get his feet wet, and then once he was in it, he was like dominant every night. It's probably going to be roughly the same thing as uh, as then. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think that's exactly what's going to happen. It's pretty amazing that you brought up that it took him a couple games to get going because over at the Nation in the comment section, people were calling him a bust after <laughs> game one and two. It was amazing. Well, hey game. man, in, uh, what's his face? Uh, Jack Eichel scored two goals during that time, so we obviously <laughs> picked the wrong one. Shout out to Jack Eichel for finding catching McDavid in points a yeah. month later. Yeah, yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Out of boy, Jack. He had to be resting in the hospital with a sling on for him to catch him, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it was the caller was McDavid's to lose until he got hurt, and now it's everything's, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I, I still think he has a chance, like, especially oh, if he comes back and is a point of game. Like, absolutely. No my one, only my yeah. only fear is that uh, Panarinen or whatever from Chicago yeah. has been playing so well. But I don't, I don't like that, though, because he's played, like, seven years professionally in the KHL before he came over, and he's already, what, like, 25 or something like that? Yeah, tw- yeah, he's 24, which I saw something the other night on TV, and it was basically just, like, saying they need to change that rule. Like, it's not fair for a guy like McDavid who comes in, you know, so young, and then the guy to come over from Russia, like you said, played, like, seven years. He's 24 years old. Like, he's not a rookie. He's been playing with men forever. Yeah. Exactly. It reminds me of uh, when Ichiro came over from Japan. And in his first year, he won Rookie of the Year and MVP. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, like, 32. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, uh, what was I get? my next question was, uh, oh yeah, how, how do you think the, like the lines will shake out? Like when everybody's back healthy, like, do you think that it'll be like a, like they'll reunite the whole McDavid Yakbov thing? I think they have to. I mean, they gotta, they at least have to try it. I would think to see if they can rekindle that magic. Yeah. And I'm more interested to see what happens with the bottom six. Cause you got a guy like Jujar Kara who's come in and I, he's n- not top six material yet, but he's looked fine playing with them in spot duty. So I think it'll be more interesting to see what happens with guys like Laura Korpakoski, who just caught a little bit of fire lately, but has kind of struggled throughout the season so far. Rob Klinkhammer's hurt again. Luke Gazdick's spot is just always uh, in danger of, of shifting at any given time. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the bottom six once, once the the top six comes back healthy yeah we were actually joking about it the other day we were uh saying like man maybe uh the oilers will send you know mcdavid over to team canada for a conditioning stand. what do you guys <laughs> think the percentage chance of that happening are? <laughs> i threw that i threw that joke out there too on twitter uh i'm pretty sure it's a zero percent chance but how cool would that be though they might as well just give canada the medals if that happens <laughs> oh that'd be awesome i made be- a joke early on in the season when uh connor hadn't scored a goal yet that maybe the oilers should look at sending him back down to junior and not waste a year of his entry-level contract <laughs> and i thought that there was somebody going to show up to the office and burn it to the ground yeah it went over pretty well <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can imagine that's too funny. Okay, well, we've obviously discussed about how good McDavid's looked and how McDavid, how good McDavid has been this year. Um, but besides McDavid, who's been your most impressive player on the Oilers this season? Easily Daryl. Daryl on the back end. Darnell Nurse has been amazing. For a guy that started the year in the AHL, he's already arguably the best defenseman we have, which is both a compliment to him and a sad state <laughs> of affairs for the Oilers. But... He's been very he's, impressive. He struggled his last few games, but yeah, he he definitely has looked good. For me, though, it's it's got to be Taylor Hall. Like he's he's been like the best kept secret in the West for how many years now, and he's finally starting to get his uh, his due because the team actually is winning for once. But he's he was already great last year. He's taken his game to a whole other level this year. He's, he's playing amazing. good at from one end of the ring to the other. He's not. Uh, going in trying to do a, a goddamn toe drag every time he enters the crosses the blue line, and he's just putting up points at like an alarming rate. So he he for me has been the breakout player of the year so far this year. Hard to argue with Taylor Hall. He's amazing. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know this, but we're from Windsor, so Taylor Hall. We had the luxury of watching Hall play for the Spitfires for all those years, Memorial Cup years, and 
we like he was just ridiculous in, in the OHL and like we were all sitting here kind of waiting for him to to you know eventually translate that to the NHL but I think like the one thing obviously that's been holding him back over the last couple of years has been injuries right but sure. I think that he's he's more it's not so much that he's like an injury prone player it's just the the way he plays kind like of reckless yeah. just yeah super reckless it seems like he's kind of changed the way he's not, like like you said he's not toe dragging well, like across the blue line every time yeah and I forget who it was it was I think it might have been Greg or somebody pointed out that like yeah last year he would have just been barreling through the zones at a million miles an hour trying to get there as fast as he can whereas now he seems to be like kind of holding back a little bit letting the play develop kind of finding his spots on the ice he still has you know tons of speed to burn but he's he's yeah. picking and choosing his spots when he decides to go at Mach 12 yeah yeah, it's got to be like a sign of maturity, you'd, you'd think. But uh, you guys touched on it earlier about how you guys have actually had goalies steal games for you, which is, I, I tweeted out today, it's it's almost got to the point where you guys have to pick which goalie to start based on who's playing like the best, not which one, you know, is playing the shittiest. Yeah, it's a nice problem to have for one. Yeah, it's, it's different. So, But it's still weird, like, Nielsen went on a huge hot streak, and then he's kind of cooling down now. I think his last three games, his save percentage has been under 900 in each contest. Um, and now I think they said that Talbot's like probably going to start tomorrow. Who do you guys think, like for fantasy owners, who would be the best goalie to own going forward? Uh, would it be Talbot or Nielsen? Going forward, I'd say uh, Talbot. Uh Willis a couple weeks ago pointed out that uh, even in New York when he took over for Henrik Lundqvist he got off to a slow start and then eventually found his form about 10-11 games in and then was you know right after that he was in talk for the uh, the Vezina at one point so he uh, he looks like he I mean he, the same thing happened he faltered a little bit the last couple weeks but his first game back he made what like 40 saves or something like that 38 saves and then uh, I, I think going forward he'll be the guy to, to take the crease whereas Nelson his entire career has kind of been up and down and we've seen that even just in the small sample size this year where he'll play really, really hot for four or five games and the next couple games he'll be kind of crappy. So I think it's, uh, I think once again, it's Talbot's crease to lose at this point. Yeah. Talbot is, uh, it's weird too, because it's like his first year as a actual starter, right? So getting all those starts at the start of the year, it's something he's kind of had to get used to, I would assume. Playing, you know, in a new team, it's going to take a guy a little longer to get used to it than, than, you know, some, and Nielsen just comes in and he's just a guy who's, been basically like a career 905 save percentage wherever he's been so it's hard to just all of a sudden think that he's this amazing yeah. goalie where I think I agree where Talbot's probably the guy who's going to get the lion's share of the starts down the road down the stretch here well it's like Gene Char said too like we we always kind of joke about it when Nelson was on his hot streak that when are the wheels going to fall off this thing because he's hasn't shown that he's able to put long stretches together where he's yeah lights out like you said his last three starts were under 900 for a save percentage and i'd argue he wasn't great last night either yeah i mean he's, he started the game against the rangers like the first time right when they won seven five yeah yeah like he gets the w in that game but like still gives up five goals yeah well, that was my point i wrote it in the wrap-up after is if, if you score seven goals you'd better win yeah. that hockey game <laughs> yeah, it was close it was a little too close for comfort that was almost like what the Stars had to deal with last year because, like, Letton was so bad. They would go out and score six and lose seven six, where this year their goaltending's been a little better. But. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as of the other day, uh, the Oilers were actually sitting in a playoff spot. I know they kind of got bumped out uh, last night, but do you guys think that, like, legitimately, does this, like, they get McDavid, they get Yakupov, they get Clefbaum back, uh, Talbot picks up his game. Does this team have the makings of a playoff team? Well, we've, we've been saying it for a while now that, with the Pacific being as bad as it is this year, you never know what can happen. If the Oilers can float around that cutoff mark where they are right now, and then Connor comes back and Pouliot comes back and Yak comes back, you never know what could happen. I could see them stealing a spot 
based solely on the Pacific being awful. And up until the, and up until the other day, I maintained that like, no, they're going to be close, but they're not going to make it. But at, like after the last couple of days, and like like uh, Bag Milk just said, because of the tire fire that is the Pacific Division, I'm starting to think they might have a legitimate chance. I mean, if they would have won last night, they would have been sitting second in the Pacific with 32 points. And it is a log jam. It would have been, you know, there's, there's only there's literally one point separating uh, the bottom of the division. Oh, I guess yeah. I guess never mind. Uh, Anaheim's still way down below. Jeez, what happened to you, Anaheim? You guys used to be so good. <laughs> But uh, yeah, there's one point separating the Canucks and the Sharks between second and fifth in the division or whatever. So yeah. anything could happen, and like I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit more more faith in this team that they could they could potentially make a legitimate push for the playoffs this year. I, I think like their like their core of forwards, especially when they have McDavid back. Like if you have Drysaddle going at even close to the rate he's at right now, they have like arguably like the best offense in this division. Oh, absolutely. But, I think, like, obviously, the biggest weakness right now is their lack of depth on D. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the only thing really holding them back right now from being a complete team. But I agree. The Pacific is just so bad. I don't think, like, <laughs> I don't think you need to have a complete squad to squeak in through that division. Well, it's funny looking at uh, we've got all the divisions open in front of us right now. And you look at somewhere like the Central, where Minnesota's in third place with 38 points. They would just be crushing the Pacific Division. Yeah, right there's, there's, there's going to be five five teams from the Central are going to make it into in from the West. And only yeah, three no, are going to make it from the Pacific. Yeah. So. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous. Like, San Jose has really fallen off. They're really not that good of a team. Arizona, like, there's no way they're a playoff team. Like, especially now Mike Smith is out eight to ten weeks or whatever, so they got to go with Anders Lindback as their goalie. Like, good luck if they even win one over the next eight weeks. (laughs) And don't and don't mean Duclair. Like, they're both really good players, but they have slowed down quite a bit after their hot Mm -hmm. start at the beginning of the season. So. Yeah, like when, I think what their first line center is like Antoine Vermette. I mean, no, that's not a playoff team. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And like Vancouver, they're just a tire fire too. Like they, they're brutal. They're slowly falling down an elevator shaft, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I still even think like it's funny though because like Anaheim's literally just been god awful to start like for the first you know third of the year, and they're still probably a playoff team. Yeah, I think they're still stealing. Like that's probably <laughs> I, I I could see Anaheim still finishing second in the Pacific and probably Edmonton in third. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. That's the thing with Anaheim, though, is because I've been saying that forever. It's like, well, there's no way they can be, keep being this bad. There's no way they can keep being this bad. And then they keep being this bad. So, like, <laughs> who knows what can happen after the All-Star break? Maybe they, the boys just need a trip to Mexico to clear their heads and, and come back stronger. But, like, if they don't turn it around here pretty soon, then I don't know if they're ever going to get out of the bottom of the division. Like, it looks really bad for them right now. Maybe Getzlaff can just blame the fans again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, like, I think that they're going to be... Now that they've got rid of Hugh Dobin, like he's in the minors, and they got Gibson and Anderson, I think Gibson, it's something about him. He seems to just always win when he's with them. And I think that's going to help. And I think, what, just Getzlaff still only got one goal? Like, how is that even a... Like a thing. Yeah. Like I just I can't remember who somebody tweeted out like the people that the players that have more goals than Getzlaff still this year, and it's just like the most ridiculous <laughs> list of players. <laughs> and it's only a matter. I mean, he's never been a great goal scorer in his career, but I mean, one goal through a third of the year is just insane. Well, and somebody somebody tweeted it out like earlier in the year too. It's like it's not as if Perry and Getzlaff and Kessler and those those guys woke up one day and just forgot how to play hockey or forgot how to be good at hockey. So something's got to give eventually. I don't know what it is I need to find to unlock this secret for them to not be crappy anymore but like you got to think they're, they're gonna find it eventually or something's gonna give here yeah and like you said they, this division's just god awful so it's only a matter of time <laughs> yeah yeah la's la's literally moonwalking to the to the playoffs right now <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, we're going to start a quick little rapid fire section here. I've got a list of questions uh, and I, all I really want is maybe a, a yes or no answer and then a quick little explanation. And if you don't want to give an explanation, yes is fine or no is fine. <laughs> so my first question to you is, do you guys think Taylor Hall finished the year with 80 plus points? Absolutely. Yes. What about 90? Think you can touch 90? Uh, it'll be close. If he, if he keeps going on this this type of tear, it, it's it's reasonable. But I, I think 80 points is, is definitely a, a mark that he could probably hit for sure. Yeah, I think as long as he's healthy, he's going to hit that. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. I think I had him projected at the start of the year like 80 points in 82 games. Mm-hmm. Or like 80 points in 80 mm-hmm. games. I figured he'd miss a couple here and there. So hopefully uh, he makes me look smart. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dre Seidel's obviously been completely ridiculous. I think he's got, what, 27 points in 22 games right now or something like that? Yeah. Uh, do you guys think he can finish with uh, sixty plus points? If he, I'll say yes, but only if he can maintain this godlike shooting percentage <laughs> yeah, he's, he's at right now. He's still shooting at nineteen point six, so that's uh, obviously helping his offense quite a bit. But uh, even if yeah, even if he does cool down, yeah, I can see him getting at least close to sixty points for sure. He's already halfway there in only twenty two games, so yeah, it's definitely why not. I think if uh, especially if he like <clears throat> just keeps riding Hall's coattails, kind of like he is, but like. He's already at the point right now. He's out. He's like just such a head start for that goal. Like he only needs thirty three points in the last fifty games to make that. Exactly, and, and like we were saying, like once you get McDavid back and Yakupov and uh, Puliat back, hopefully that'll kickstart the power play. And I'm assuming he'll probably get a lot of points on the on the power play too. Yeah, yeah. It's I can't wait to see what this team looks like like when everybody's fully healthy, especially mm-hmm. just because it was weird. Like at the start of the year, it seemed like people like Dre Seidel and Nurse like should maybe make the team, but they were trying to do like the not oiler thing and actually just like let them chill in the minors for a bit and then now that it's like okay wait these guys actually are real nhl players now like it's gonna be a, like a full team of just young studs it's gonna be crazy to watch um my next question though is we've seen guys like patrick kane and segan and ben and hall just go off at the start of the year do you guys think that this is a year where one of these you know elite players can actually hit 100 points um, I think so. I mean, Patrick Kane's almost halfway there already. Obviously, the streak ended last night, and he wasn't going to be able to stay that hot for the whole year. But if anybody could do it, it looks like Patrick Kane's probably the guy to do it. And especially, he's usually a guy who comes on hot late in the season, too. Like, right as they're making a push for the playoffs, or usually they already have a playoff spot locked up. But their march toward the playoffs usually gets up pretty hot, too. So, yeah, I could absolutely see uh, a couple hundred-point players this year, maybe. Because, like you said, Sagan and Ben are, are, uh, are super hot lately, too. So... Yeah. For me, I, I'll just say I hope so because I love offense and it's kind of crazy that last year Jamie Benn led the league with only 87 points. Yeah. So I hope so. And with yeah. all these all these high-profile goalies getting hurt too, that can only help things, I would think. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's just so tough to get 100 points in the NHL these days. Yeah, like, absolutely. But like, yeah, I, I agree. I think if anyone's going to do it, it's Kane. I, he's definitely like off to the start to do it. Yeah. But he still needs to like be over a point a game to make it happen the rest of the way. Just, but like, I mean, it's Patty Kane; he can make it happen. Yeah, I, I expect fun- Sagan to Bend to be like both around that ninety point mark, though. It's funny to think like if Segan gets there, that like Segan. Ben's also going to get there too. Like it's like they're both going to be like they just literally get a point yeah. on each other's forty two and forty one. Yeah, right now. yeah they're, they're attached to the hip right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's nuts. But uh, okay, my next question. It's obviously a huge topic in in Leafland right now, um, and I and I know the like, Leafs go. Nation's just gotten all over this question. This uh, that liked tweet by Stamkos last week, which is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> an but anyway, an what, what was this? I didn't hear about this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't see that. Uh, Stam Stamkos liked a tweet from TSN last week that said it was like a story. Um, Do you think Stamkos will be a Leaf next year? Or should the Leafs pursue Stamkos? And he liked the tweet. <laughs> 
And in, on, like TSN's jumped all over it. And it's like all about Stamkos in Toronto next we year. We had a funny screenshot of TSN.ca and like literally the entire page was just covered in nothing but Stamkos stuff top to bottom. <laughs> it's insane. So my question to you guys is, do you guys think that Stamkos could end up in Toronto next year? My answer to that question is, why the hell would he go to Toronto next year? Yeah. They're a rebuilding team. He's a great player. Does he really want to sit in a shithole team like that for three years until they get anywhere? I doubt it. And I mean, then just you just even pointed it out. Like he liked a tweet that was like vaguely referenced him maybe going to Toronto, and the entire city like yeah, melted down. That. So it's like, does he? <laughs> is that the place you really want to go to? Like, if you go on like a cold streak for like ten games, you're gonna get absolutely roasted by like the media, by the fans. So it's a it's a weird situation because when you're good, you're a god there, but when you're bad, it's like I can't imagine it's very fun. So I mean, obviously it's a possibility. They have Mike Babcock. They do have a lot of good players coming up in the system lately. But yeah. I I think they're at least three or four years like at least from being competitive so i don't know if that's the situation he wants to go to after making it to the stanley cup finals last year who knows what's going to happen with tampa this year so but it's definitely a possibility i've got a dream my dream is that somehow he finds a way to sign in montreal just so that every fan in toronto's heart breaks and we can all hear it collectively yeah. around the country have we not suffered enough yeah <laughs> it's funny too just because like like you said, like he liked a tweet and the city blew up. And it's like if you watch TSN, like Sports Center in the morning, he doesn't even play for the Leafs yet. And they're already talking about his cold streak in yeah. Tampa right now. So if that streak happens in, in Toronto next year, it's going to be insane. Well, like, what, were you, what were you saying the other night about like what they were talking about on the TSN panel? About, uh, like, remember they asked, like, should they even play Stamkos in Toronto? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, so yeah. The, the TSN panel was like, should they even play Stamkos tomorrow? Or should they just, like, leave him leave him behind so he doesn't have to deal with the media? It's like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, is that even a question? Should we just leave our best player at home? And, I mean, like, look what happened with David Clarkson. Like, he didn't even have nearly as many expectations as, as Steven Stamkos will or already does have. And, like, he, he flamed out super hard. And it was embarrassing for everybody. So, I can't imagine if things go south. They're going to go south real bad for Stamkos. Yeah. I always I love the idea, too, that just because a player was born in Ontario that they're automatically going to go back to the Leafs <laughs> when they have a chance. I just love that idea. It's so ridiculous. Especially because, like, 50% of the OH or NHL is from, like, the GTA, like so many players, like yes, they, yes. if that was the case, they'd have just like every good Toronto-born player. Yeah, I think team. it really is a hope and a prayer right now. I, the the three things that they kind of have working in their favor is one, money, yeah, two, Babcock, and three that whatever how much it's worth that Sam Coase might want to play in Toronto. But like just getting back to the criticism, I really don't think anyone's immune to that in Toronto. Like, no, even Matt Sundin had his stretches being criticized by the media. And then you look at Phil Kessel, a guy who was literally like pretty much a point per game elite elite player his entire time with the Leafs had one bad season last year and just got hung out to dry <laughs> and traded. There's like, okay, we got to get rid of this guy. Oh, yeah. It's just ridiculous too because they keep talking like, oh, we're going to do the, the, the rebuild the right way. We're going to do it the right way. And then as soon as it's like, oh, we might get a free agent, it's like, oh, we got to sign him. We got to <laughs> give up everything for him. It's, I don't get it. I'll never understand that team. Yeah, it's, it's crazy over there. But I got to just, we kind of already discussed this, but I just want to uh, touch on it real quickly. Um, I got a list of teams that are sitting just outside of the playoffs right now. I just want to know a simple yes or no question. Do you guys think that these teams will make the playoffs? The first one is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Will they make playoffs? No. I think I think they're struggling so bad right now. I don't think a coaching change is really going to change a lot with that team. Their defense is really porous. Uh, I don't think they're going to make it. I think they can sneak into a wild card spot, but it's going to be tight. 
What about New Jersey currently holding on to a, uh, I think it's a wild card spot. Will they make the playoffs? I think so. Uh, just due to the fact, again, I think they're going to play off the fact. I mean, they're in the Metro division, but I think because the Atlantic is uh, kind of mediocre right now with the, the bottom of theirs, I think they're going to slip into a wild card spot because of that. New Jersey's uh, got some good teams trailing them right now, so it's going to be tough. I think they can do it based on, they've got great goaltending, so I think they can. Yeah. No it's crazy like to even think that New Jersey is going to be in the playoffs. Like I remember just torching them at the start of the season. Like, don't draft any New Jersey players other than Schneider. They're terrible, and they're just in the playoffs. It's insane. They're hanging, they're they're hanging around right now. They're definitely hanging around. Uh, what about, okay, so we'll shift to the West now. Uh, the Calgary Flames playoff team? Nope. Fuck Calgary. Nope. <laughs> Winnipeg? I know you don't even know like anything about them, but will they be a playoff team? No, Winnipeg. Unfortunately, they're stuck in the Central, and that's going to be their downfall. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're they're behind they're behind uh, pretty much. Well, they're they're tied for most of the teams in the Pacific, but the wild card right now: Chicago with thirty eight points and Nashville with thirty six. While uh, Winnipeg is in there with thirty, there's no they have no prayer to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, good luck with that one, eh? Absolutely. Um, what about the dumpster fire that is the Canucks? No, they're done. They're yeah. getting older, and they're awful. They're, they're falling down <laughs> elevator shafts real quick, and it's kind of what I thought was going to happen. Uh, Ryan Miller hasn't been as bad as I thought he was going to be. He's been, he's been pretty okay a lot of nights, but he's got no defense in front of them. Their, their offense is still kind of hit or miss, and he hasn't been stealing them any games really either, so I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs at all. Yeah, they literally have no offense outside of the Sedins right no. now. Which is crazy. Both those guys are still in the top end in, in league scoring, which is nuts, but they have nothing else besides, besides from those guys. No, I mean, you could say maybe it's the time to trade him, but it'd be so tough to trade just like 10, what is it, 12 million in cap space probably. For sure. And I mean, at this point, they might as well just let them ride into the sunset as Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so too. Imagine trying to trade, trade one of them. They'd be so upset. <laughs> yeah. I think they're like the two best players in Canucks history. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love if they traded one of them. I just, <laughs> yeah, just, I just, I just see one of them suffer. packing up. Some people just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. <laughs> if it, I just picture a scenario where they trade one of them and then the other one is like, crying on the top bunk or something while yeah. the other one's rolling up a sleeping bag. <laughs> Still have bunk beds. I love it. Um, the last team I have is Anaheim. Will they Will they sneak in? Will they figure it out? I don't think so. Like I said, if, it feels like this. they're never going to get out of this tailspin. And we'll, like I said, we'll see what happens after the All-Star break. But as of right now, there's, there's no way they're making the playoffs. Like They don't look competitive at all. They have the second worst goal differential in the league behind or ahead of only the uh, Calgary Flames, which have gotten no goaltending whatsoever this year. So I just I don't see it. I, You know, they could. As bad as they are, they're only three points out of third in the Pacific right now. Yeah, with a game in hand, too. And... Like I said before, with the Pacific, you never know what's going to happen. I think betting on a team to make or not make the playoffs in the Pacific Division is like paying a hooker with a personal <laughs> check. It's a bad idea. It's funny because like they could be a team like if they did just get in that I would still be scared of like to oh, take on sure. in the playoffs. Like so, it's all they really got to do is just get in, and then who all of a sudden Getzlaff could turn into you know a consummate you know trophy winner. Who knows. They only have 56 goals for. That is crazy bad. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's nuts. It's bad, dude. I, I kind of see a coaching change coming there soon. Yeah, you got to think at some point. Well, I mean, Bruce Boudreaux always has that puzzled look on his face. Yeah. <laughs> he has no yeah. idea what's going on. Even when things are going right, he still looks confused. He's like, how is this still happening? Where the f*** Ovi at? Yeah. <laughs> I thought Ovi was on this team. But boys, I appreciate it. That's all I've got uh, in terms of questions. It's It was fun. Uh, I'm glad we, you guys could uh, could join us. I know uh, our listeners are probably pretty annoyed at just hearing us, us two, us two or three talk uh, for ten episodes. So it was nice to have a shake up. I appreciate you guys doing this. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for the invite, and Super- just know that uh, we will be reciprocating this with you on the North by Northcrest podcast. Absolutely.
Sounds good to me. But yeah, for our listeners, be sure to head over to Oilers Nation or SoundCloud to check out the North by North Gretz podcast. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, and then as always, be sure to check out the Blue Stones on Blue Stones. Spotify and YouTube. Yep. They're a great band. So anyways, without any further ado, we'll send it off to the Blue Stones and let them take you to the finish. Woo, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, boys. budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.